from San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On the show, we provide daily episodes, Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. To get this show every day, you need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. You can find us on the brand new podcast app Himalaya or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Then you can get in your car and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Giants Baseball. A reminder to you NBA fans, the Locked On NBA mock draft is underway. The local experts are in every draft room. Jeremy Wu of SI.com with the player breakdowns and Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball with the fantasy breakdown, all on Locked On NBA. Coming up on today's show, we'll talk about the Giants' 9-0 loss. It was a lot closer than the 9-0 final would lead you to believe. Sean Anderson on the mound. We'll talk about his start. Every start for these young guys seems more important because we're looking ahead and thinking about could these guys be a part of the long term and what would that look like. We're going to talk about how the Giants probably should be using openers more often. They tried it once, but then they haven't tried it since. And we will talk about the very disappointing season so far for two key Giants veteran hitters. But first, their record with the loss, the Giants fell to 31 and 40, 16 and a half games back in the National League West. Somehow they're just seven and a half games out of a wild card spot, but they have pretty much every National League team ahead of them. Their run differential fell to minus 90, which is by far the worst in the National League. It is the third worst in MLB ahead of just the Tigers and the Orioles. That minus 90 run differential has an expected win-loss record of 26 and 45, so they are now outperforming it by five wins. Jumping right into the game notes, I think this is where our discussion of using an opener comes into play again. It's like they tried it that one time with Nick Vincent and it didn't really go well for Vincent in that first inning and so they kind of just gave up on it and haven't really seemed to even consider using it again but these Los Angeles Dodgers are the perfect team to use an opener against because when you have a right-handed starting pitcher on the mound they just load up with their left-handed heavy lineup Jock Peterson is always in there batting first against a righty He has 19 home runs on the season, and all 19 are against right-handed pitching. We've talked several times on the show about him specifically and his numbers versus lefties and his numbers versus righties, and it's just night and day. He is a straight platoon player, and the reason he has such amazing seasons is because they only use him against right-handed pitching. He really struggles against lefties. Alex Verdugo was batting second. Justin Turner was batting third. He's right-handed, but Verdugo is left-handed. Cody Bellinger, fourth, left-handed. Max Muncy, fifth, left-handed. Matt Beatty, sixth, left-handed. So they just load up with lefties. And so my point there is that you could start a game with a left-handed opener, and one of two things would happen. Either the Dodgers decide not to load up their lineup with a bunch of lefties, and maybe even they start a bunch of righties. And if they do that, you let your lefty opener face one batter and then you bring in your righty Sean Anderson 
And then now the Dodgers have a lineup of righties to face the righty Anderson, and suddenly you have the advantage. And you might be thinking, well, in that case, the Dodgers will just pinch hit with all of their lefties, which very well could be the response there. But then they've burned all of those right-handed hitters, and they can't use them later in the game to pinch hit when you bring in a lefty to face their lefties, and then they pinch hit with a righty. Or what I think is more likely is they would not stack up all their righties against your opener. They would just give up having that ultra platoon advantage in the first inning. So you could use a lefty and you could let your lefty face Jock Peterson in the first inning. Or it would force them to stagger their lineup a little bit more with lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, as opposed to left, left, right, left, left, left. Either way, it forces them to be on their heels on the defensive as opposed to what they just easily settle into being on the ultra offensive when they just you give them the right-handed starting pitcher and they just load up their lineup how they see fit. We saw... Craig Council of the Brewers do this to them in the 2018 postseason. He started the lefty Wade Miley, and so the Dodgers stacked up their right-handed lineup. They had Kike Hernandez, Justin Turner, David Freeze, Chris Taylor, Austin Barnes, all of their left their lefty killer right-handed bats in there to face the lefty Wade Miley. And Miley allowed a leadoff base runner, and then Council decided to take him out of the game and bring in a righty. So it was just a stroke of genius and exactly how you need to manage against the Los Angeles Dodgers. So would have liked to see them try to use, you know, Tony Watson or something to open up this game. Force the Dodgers to respond to you being aggressive as, a, as opposed to the other way around. So anyway, what happened? Leadoff home run for Jock Peterson. one nothing Dodgers right away, and that would be enough. Second batter, Verdugo, single. So all of a sudden, you're in trouble. And here comes Justin Turner, who doubles. Cody Bellinger lines out sharply. So it's it's 2-0 in the first. And the Giants' woes in the first inning just unbelievably continue. They've allowed so many runs in the first inning, including so many home runs. It's just getting out of control. So it definitely is time to revisit the idea of consistently trying to use an opener, especially a team like against a team like the Dodgers. This has happened to Anderson before, and it was against a couple of lefties before, where the first two batters of the game in that game against the Mets took him deep. So there is a way to combat this, and for whatever reason, the Giants just aren't taking advantage of that. Speaking of platoons, Tyler Austin, of course, was in there batting third against the left-handed pitcher Clayton Kershaw, and he went 0-4 for 4 in the game, but he his impact was much greater than that line. He made a couple of nice defensive plays, including one of which we'll talk about more a little bit later. But with the Giants down 2 to nothing in the top of the sixth, Tyler Austin hit a ball that very nearly was a two-run homer that would have tied the game. He drove a ball high and deep out to right field, and Cody Bellinger made a leaping catch at the wall. Not sure he robbed a homer, but it was right up against the wall. And that was definitely the biggest threat the Giants had in the game. And so my point there is A, that you know it doesn't show up in the box score and that's just one of the many great reasons why we should be grateful to have this statcast technology and the people of mlb.com and baseball savant who have created metrics like expected weighted on base average based on the quality of contact because previously you know the old saying goes if you hit a bloop single it looks like a it looks like a line drive in the box score but nowadays, we don't have to be fooled by the fact that Tyler Austin went 0 for 4. We can see the fact that he drove a ball to the wall, hit very well, deserved probably a better outcome than an 0 for 1 in that at bat versus a guy who like pops out, gets the exact same 0 for 1. 
So that is just another example of why StatCast is super valuable and why these metrics, expected metrics, are beneficial to evaluating players in today's day and age. So all told, Anderson's final line, he went five and two thirds, seven hits, three runs, three walks, two strikeouts, one home run. In the seventh inning, Holland got into a little bit of trouble, left a couple of base runners on, and Trevor Gott came in in a time that it made sense with some righties due up with two outs, and he just could not get it going, and he ended up allowing four hits, including a grand slam, which made it 9 nothing, and that was the ballgame. Coming up in the next half of the show, we'll talk about Sean Anderson a little bit closer, look at his overall season numbers, because that's really what matters here. How can he impact the future of this team And we'll talk more about a couple of really struggling Giants veteran hitters. So that's all coming up next, but first... Okay, so as promised, we'll dig deeper into Sean Anderson and his overall season numbers and what to expect moving forward, and we're going to talk about some really struggling Giants veteran hitters. So each start for someone like Sean Anderson is really worth reading into because he's the type of piece that could impact the future of this organization. And so now he's he's made seven starts, thrown nearly 40 innings, and he has a 4.08 ERA with a 4.65 fielding independent pitching, a 4.48 expected fielding independent pitching. So what does all of that mean? It means that he's been... In terms of ERA, slightly better than average, but in terms of the peripherals, slightly worse than average. A lot of that has to do with his strikeout rate only being 14%, which is way lower than the MLB average for a starting pitcher. It's just really hard to have a lot of success when you're only striking out 14% of batters. He has, for the most part, been able to keep the ball in the ballpark, allowing just 1.13 home runs per nine innings, and his command has been fine at an 8% walk rate, 3.18 walks per nine innings. Gets his fair share of ground balls, 48.4%. So all told, he's looking like he could be a roughly league average starter. So that that has some value as a guy who's in his rookie season, 24 years old, could always improve. Definitely worth continuing to throw out there every fifth day and see what he can do. Although I do think against teams that are going to stack up all their lefties, it would definitely make sense to use an opener in those spots. But moving on to a couple of struggling Giants veteran hitters, I just am starting to have real concerns about whether Buster Posey is ever going to get back to anywhere close to the level he was just even a few seasons ago when we were concerned about him already being in decline. His defense makes him still a valuable player. If you can hit at all and be a good defensive catcher, you have a ton of value. But the fact that he hits in the middle of the Giants lineup is just killing them offensively. He's hitting 251 with a 315 on base percentage and a 389 slugging percentage on the season. And to me, just watching him take his swings, the swings have slowed down. Does not have the bat speed that he used to have, and it's it's hard to watch, to be perfectly honest. He has three home runs on the year in this year of the home run. If he's your best offensive player, supposedly, and almost halfway through the season, has three home runs, you're in big trouble. And he's got projections to hit roughly five more for the rest of the season. So we're talking about an eight home run hitter who bats cleanup in your lineup every day. That is just not going to play in 2019 MLB. I definitely think he has a spot on the roster, but you know he's becoming more or less an easy out right in the middle of the lineup, which is troubling. And listen, he's done everything a person can do for a franchise, so I'm never going to say anything bad about him. I'm just kind of reporting the facts on what what we're seeing offensively. 
he's also become extremely slow. So anytime he does get on base, you're not getting any kind of base running value and you are clogging up the bases. His quality of contact data suggests he should be a little better than this. They have him pegged at a 327 expected weighted on base average versus a actual weighted on base average of just 308. But yes, moving forward, the Giants need to plan on essentially getting no offensive production from Posey or at best around league average. But I think the days of him being well above average offensively may be long over. So it, it's painful to say we've witnessed this guy's entire career, which has been fantastic. And he had everything to do with all three World Series wins. And he should never be forgotten for that. But unfortunately, it really is looking like his best days are certainly behind him. Brandon Crawford is another guy who is just struggling mightily with the bat overall on the season, hitting just 206 with a 278 on base percentage and a 318 slugging. So that line is about 40% below average offensively, and the defense hasn't been what it used to be, and so Fangraphs has him at minus five wins above replacement. So he's really hurting them as well. And again, it's just painful to see because he was such a key part of all of those good Giants teams, so it's just hard to watch these guys on the downslope of their careers. Both Posey and Crawford are signed through 2021 and have full no-trade clauses, so it's going to be very difficult to get out from underneath these contracts, and I would imagine it's just not going to happen. Crawford has just a 262 weighted on base average, which is in the bottom 5% of the league, and his expected weighted on base average isn't much better at 284. So these are guys who should be hitting like 7th and 8th in a lineup, not 4th and 5th. And when you compound that issue when a bunch of your other players are defense-first players like Kevin Pillar, who's actually not that good defensively, and Steven Duggar, who's just really struggling at the plate as well. So Giants have their work to do. This team is going nowhere and they're very much in bad shape, and it has nothing to do with the new guy, Farhan Zaidi. This is the roster he inherited. Kevin Pillar, yes, was one addition, but it was extremely low risk and probably worth it, to be honest, especially if he was being utilized properly as a corner outfielder only really playing against left-handed pitching. Anyway, that turned into a very depressing episode of Locked On Giants Baseball, but that's the state of the team right now. Super relevant that the trade deadline is fast approaching because that is a big way the Giants may be able to infuse some young talent into their organization. Coming up tonight, the Giants take on the Dodgers in game three of this four-game series with Rich Hill on the mound for the Dodgers and Drew Pomeranz back on the mound for the Giants. Dominated the Dodgers two starts ago. We'll see if he can do it again. The Dodgers will have their right-handed lineup out there. Perfect time to try to take advantage of that, use an opener to start the game, but I just know they won't do it. Remember, to get this show every single weekday, please consider hitting that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. You can find us on the brand new podcast app Himalaya or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We have new shows every single weekday, Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspic. You can follow me on Twitter at Cove underscore cast. Please consider leaving us a review and rating this show. That would mean a lot. I cannot wait to be with you again tomorrow. And until then, we'll see you next time. 